everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode. In this one, I'm going to be talking with Jake and Hayden about when to get aggressive during the month of October. I think for a lot of us, October is a time where it's either hit or miss. And it seems like a lot of days throughout the month of October, it's warm. Deer aren't really moving a lot in daylight. But in this podcast, we're going to be talking about situations in which we like to get super aggressive in bedding areas to try to get a shot at a buck. And from now until the end of deer season, we're going to be super focused on whitetail hunting and whitetail hunting tactics. If there's anything that you'd like to hear us talk about on the podcast, feel free to send us a message and let us know what you'd like to hear. Speaking of whitetails, our friends at First Light are having a Whitetail Week sale right now starting today, October 10th, and running till October 16th. That's going to give you the chance to get all of our whitetail hunting favorites at 20% off. I've used a lot of First Light gear on my hunts, and they've got that new Spectre pattern that I think is just a great all-around camo. No matter where you hunt, whether that be out west, midwest, or in the eastern timber, I think that pattern works great for all applications. I've been wearing First Light pants now for like four seasons, and I have zero complaints about them. They've held up incredibly well for the beating that I put them through. So if you're in the market for new hunting pants, I would definitely try to take advantage of this sale. The Obsidian Foundry pants are super quiet, and I think that's really important when whitetail hunting. I'm obviously moving around a lot, so hunting garments that are quiet is really important, and you're definitely gonna get that with those Obsidian Foundry pants. They also have the kiln base layers, which are awesome because you can wear those alone or you can use them to layer. And as far as colder weather hunts go, the Solitude system is pretty awesome for that. And included in the sale is their windproof Solitude jacket and bibs, their Origin hoodie with a built-in face mask, as well as a long list of other whitetail hunting gear. Another cool part about this sale is that First Light is donating a portion of every sale of their Spectre camo pattern to the National Deer Association as part of their Camo for Conservation initiative, which I think is pretty cool. Like I said earlier too, I've used a lot of First Light stuff in the field. I beat the heck out of it. It's held up incredibly well. It's really impressed me over the years. And I've also had a lot of family and friends that are outside of THP that have been using First Light for several years now. And I've heard nothing but good things from them as well. So take advantage of this sale that's running from the 10th to the 16th and go over to firstlight.com or hit the link in the description of this podcast to get 20% off of all First Light whitetail gear. Finally, if you're fed up with mainstream social media's censorship of hunters and anglers, check out Go Wild. It's a free social community where none of your photos are going to be censored and they're actually encouraged on Go Wild. Go Wild gives you points for things like sharing trophies, gear reviews, and inviting friends. As you earn those points, you can unlock awesome rewards too, such as gift cards, huge discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex, and if you create a free account, you can unlock $10 just for trying it out. While you're on there, check out the THP profile. I've also got a personal profile on there as well. All you got to do is visit DownloadGoWild.com to get started. All right, let's talk with Jake and Hayden about when to get aggressive in October. Today, we're going to be talking about getting aggressive in October. I feel like it's something that you know, we're all dealing with no matter where we're at. It's like, when do we be aggressive? Is it worth, you know, leaving work early? You know, what days should you go hunting? What days should you not? And I was kind of talking to uh, my family last night about it. It's like this time of the year is, you know, I think for most of us kind of just a build up to 
the time of the year that we're all really looking forward to, you know, is like deer start moving a little bit more towards the end of the month. And obviously November is like the time, you know, the, the most, the, the most action happens in general. So I feel like it's just this slow buildup, but you know, there's a lot of people out there that are super effective this time of the year. And we have had some success this time of the year. Um, so just talking about that a little bit and joining me today are Jacob and Hayden. So you guys have any initial thoughts on when to be aggressive in October to get the conversation rolling? I'm trying to think about it from a standpoint like of us, I guess we're in Iowa right now and I think that's what most guys' situation is, like they're going to be hunting a specific state and it's probably just a specific area, I'd imagine within an hour or two of their house, you know, and I think what what we've been doing for the last week or so here is just going to spots that we've had success in or just seen mature bucks this time of year and then in the middle of the day just like covering as much ground as possible either in spots that we've never been to or just spots that we found hot sign in this time of year and if they're hot then we we've been sitting it and really just if nothing else setting ourselves up to have a lot of luck later in the month you know just finding where there's what deer what food sources deer are using you know what what oaks are dropping really this this year it seems like it's just like there's there's a ton of them in some pockets, and then there's you can walk through a bunch of timber that doesn't have very many at all, and obviously the deer know where the acorns are at, and that's probably where they're going to be at throughout the rest of the month here, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I think food source is like that, I guess, part of the strategy that you're always looking at, but it's super important, it seems, this time of the year because, you know, right now it's kind of the dreaded... October lull, if you will. And, you know, that, I guess what that means really to us, I think, is that we're just going to have to get super specific to what areas we're targeting. Like, we're trying to find that bed to food pattern, but for the most part, hunting heavily pressured areas, whether that's public or small private, you know, we're looking for food sources that aren't maybe the obvious. Like, you know, I'd say we kind of start like, backwards and work back towards the the cover like we're kind of looking at main food sources being um like big ag fields or like big hay fields or something like that but yeah then just kind of backtracking that i guess i got kind of like a layered example of what keith and i have been hunting quite a bit of the last couple days is like Mm -hmm. beans that are still green on the private up top oaks that are dropping going down the ridge and then into the bottom where they have just a bunch of stuff that we've fe- seen them feed on throughout the whole year and they're bedding down those bottoms it seems like those up on the ridges and then bucks kind of right along that transition or down the bottom is what it seems like the buck that we got real close to the other day he was not far from the edge of the timber and he might have even bet on the edge of the timber but I think he was just right off along the river there down there close to water which makes sense for the warm weather we've been having and then you know, just popping up on that ridge and probably not going real like too far until nightfall, and then he just can feed up towards that big agriculture field, make mm-hmm. his loop. You know that we followed a bunch of scrapes and rubs back in there. It's, you know, it just seems like they're kind of on a circuit, not really doing anything too crazy this time of year, especially when it's warm out like this, and just kind of ramping up towards later in the month. And I think another thing about 
just finding all that food right now is that's that's where i mean if you if, if you can just find a high concentration of deer mm-hmm. that'll be a good place to go back to late in october you know looking for that first doe that's popping off mm-hmm. yeah i feel like there's been a few times where i've had good luck you know finding a spot that was really hot um during the middle of the month you know kind of the time frame we're in right now but also like you just said chipping away at just finding where you know there's really good concentrations of deer in general not necessarily a big buck but um just high deer population in general in a very localized area has definitely helped when we start getting into um you know right when things start to kind of break loose halloween time frame give or take five days probably and i think that you know can always be in the back of your mind like even if you're not finding the big buck sign or you know really feel like you're on a buck at least chipping away at finding high concentrations of deer is super helpful for later in the season like we've been saying and um you know i think too there's a lot of times where i feel that we are covering more and more every year this seems to be the trend we're covering more ground before we even start focusing in on an area like there's just tons and tons of times that we will go into a spot not really see anything of interest you know there's no fresh scrapes there's no fresh rubs Um, we're not seeing any big tracks you know maybe we're seeing some deer sign or just like a little bit of buck sign sprinkled around but something that um, in a previous podcast that we did this summer that's really like stuck with me that I thought was just a, a, a great tip, a great just uh, overall look at it was, was when Aaron said, we're trying to create, uh, or in our head, we're trying to convince ourselves of exactly what a buck is doing. We're looking at sign and then we're trying to, I guess, we're creating a theory based off that sign as to what he's doing and then we're trying to intercept him doing that and i feel like until we have a good idea and have a good theory that we feel confident in we're not even really setting up it's just you know maybe maybe it's something that you find a spot and you're like yeah i mean it seems like maybe there's one here but i can't really tell what they're doing based off the sign maybe that's where you put a trail camera or you sit back and you observe from a distance um, you know, maybe it's just something that you revisit in a couple week weeks, but until we really have that theory locked in where it's like, okay, he's going from bed to food to, you know, wherever from there until we have that theory, we really don't get too excited about anything. And I think that's kind of plays into this idea of the topic of when to be aggressive, you know, what is the right time? So let's just say... Um, for, you know, the next two weeks, because that's still only going to get us until, like, what, the 20-something, like, we're about the 10th right now, is that right? The 9th of October right now. So for the next two weeks, what about, you know, what would a situation be that makes you guys feel like, hey, it's time to be aggressive, and what... Are some of the factors that would play into when you would strike 
Yeah. Just curious on your thoughts on that. I think, I don't know if this even answers the question, but what I'm really doing or trying to do is probably just set myself up for the next cold front. Mm-hmm. But, and I guess, you know, obviously I'm hunting during, during that time frame between there. And I guess if, if it's, if I don't find real hot sign that day, what I usually resort to is just going back to a spot that we've had luck in the past on similar conditions during the same mm-hmm. time of year, just cause we've, I've hunted around here for enough years now. And I guess that's probably most people's situation is like, hopefully, you know, you've, you've had you've at least seen deer in a certain spot that time of year on a certain food source or whatever, certain conditions. Like you can just kind of either go back to that same spot or just mirror that in a a different area and, you know, just keep doing that. What was the, what was the exact question again? Sorry. But basically just what are you looking for? Um, or what are some of the factors that would make you feel like now's the time to strike? Like, okay. I guess I've got a lot of trail cameras out on like really easy to access spots or those cell cameras. But like if I, I mean, Keith's going to go check a couple cameras today and that are really easy to get to. And I mean, maybe they're in, they're in spots where I guess I would maybe expect to have a buck going by anywhere from three thirty to six thirty this morning. And you can kind of can know that that deer is somewhere within, you know, at least a half mile that direction of where he's going. And you can just kind of hunt your way towards that and just read sign. And I, that we, we did, we just did that the other day when we had that one come in and I I think we're going to be doing a video on it or maybe it'll be out by the time that this podcast is up, but where that buck comes up and smells the rub that we had just worked. Like, I mean, that wasn't, it wasn't like a super cold, cold front day, you know, but we'd followed sign right back into where I'd imagine we were within a hundred to for sure 200 yards of where that buck was bedded. It seemed like, like we just followed fresh scrapes and then we were following this chiseled out trail that you know where the river gets tight with one of these ridges where there's a bunch of deer going back in there but there was one track that we could see in there that you know stuck in to the ground a quarter of an inch and you know still moist you could just tell it was much heavier deer than most of the deer that were using that trail rubs that were still green it's like all right a deer walked through here this morning there's scrapes that are still got pee in them you know like sometime mm-hmm. during the night last night or like probably this morning he walked through here in a couple of days earlier i had a trail camera right on the access road and there was a vehicle that went by it i was kind of monitoring that but the, at 12 or 11 30 at night there was two bucks headed back that same direction and that was probably three quarters of a mile away from where we are uh, we we're three quarters of a mile away from the sign i'm talking about so it's I figured it's probably one of the same bucks and based off the trail camera videos or pictures, it looked like it was one of the same 10 pointers. You know, he, he was moving that far, but he's just getting on a road that's got a bunch of acorns dropping on it and he's just booking it down towards this peninsula. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. you know, we're getting towards the end of that peninsula. So we're like, well, he's probably right somewhere close to the point of this thing. And we went about 30 yards too far. We were actually crawling up, like getting set up in a tree. <clears throat> And then those started popping out and they fed under this oak for a long time and she eventually spooked off. I'm like, all right, let's just go set up under that tree. Obviously they're feeding under there. And he ended up popping up, you know, basically he would have come up within 20 yards of the tree that we were already crawling up in. And that, you know, it was pretty early in the afternoon. Also, we just hear this real chesty blow, you know, it's like, oh, that sounds like a buck and he takes off and it sounds real heavy. And then later that night, 
there was a real big, you know, signpost rub that had been there for years that had been worked this year. So we put a, one of those cell cameras up on that. <laughs> we set it up and then we, you know, start pretty aggressively walking out back towards the car because like it was just a blow fest back in there at that point, you know, a doe had blown at us early at night, he blew at us and then another doe blew at us. And then when we were taking the stuff down, more deer were blowing at us. We're like, all right, we're not gonna probably come back for a while, but we're gonna put a camera up on this, on this rub, see what's hitting it, you know? And by the time we get back to the car, I look at my phone and I'm like, Keith, you wanna see something crazy? <laughs> <laughs> It's just a nice ass buck, just like <laughs> smelling the rub that I that we had just been, you know, touching. I'd put some deer scent on it, and it's just funny. I mean, but I guess we we set that camera up, walked up the ridge, and we, I got the headlamp on, and I see a deer like thirty yards away. It's looking at me, and then it just starts walking, you know, kind of back. I mean, right towards that rub, and I think it was that buck. You know, it was a wide-eyed deer. It looked like, and I mean. It would make sense for it to be him, you know. We had just walked past him ten minutes, ten minutes after we were there. The little stinker was working that rub, <laughs> teasing us. So, so here's so here's the question for you. So, moving forward, you now know there's a target buck in this exact spot, right? Uh -huh. So, this is a you know high priority area. So mm -hmm. this is a very similar situation to something we all get ourselves into at some point in october like we know there's one there yep so now moving forward you know with all the other things you got going on in in life like work you know spending time with friends family whatever like what are the things that are making you think hey i definitely need to get in here on this day like wind you know, other conditions like, are you waiting for, you know, a sunny day, a cold day, windy day, whatever. What are some of the things like about this particular area? Because every situation is going to be different, but is there anything that jumps out to you like, this is the day that I'm looking for to get aggressive? Because I think that is something that, you know, in October, we're all trying to get better at at all times because we're probably not taking our week-long vacation smack in the middle of October. We're picking and choosing which days we, you know, slip out of work early or yeah. take the day off, whatever. What, what are some of the conditions for this spot that's going to make you for excited to go back? specific spot, he was in there on an east wind, which we don't get a lot of. Mm -hmm. So I guess if I had nothing else to go off of on the next east wind day, which who knows when that'll be, um, I would probably just go back in there and, you know, I mean, I got to, I got a pretty good at least guess on, you know, a, a hundred to 200 yard radius of where I think he was bedded. You know, he could have done one of, came from one of two directions, I think. So I would probably just get somewhere where I felt like the wind was in my favor there and kind of just expect him to hopefully do something real similar if, he, if he's mm -hmm. back in there or a different one could be back in there. I mean, there's enough bucks around here where that's, I mean, there's, there was two of them on that camera the one night that I left it up right on that road. I just put it up there in the afternoon just because there's fresh scrapes right on the road. I, but I didn't want to leave it there because I figured it'd get stolen. There was one guy that I drove past there. Now there's two people camping there. And we ran it. And <laughs> something about that night, too, actually, is we found all that sign, ran back to the house here, grabbed something to eat, ran back out there, and there's a guy in the parking lot. And we're like, and like he had just left, you know, cause we were just there 10, 15 minutes before that. So we're like, we'll just, you know, sneak up this road. If he's on the road, then we'll just turn around, you know? And <laughs> we had made a mock scrape 
you know, I had made a mock scrape for a camera the night before that I already pulled and he set up on that mock scrape that, oh, <laughs> that I made geez. and I told him that and I told him that we had kind of, you know, been walking all around in there earlier that day, but he's just like, no, you guys are good. Go ahead. You know, he's just like, I'm just looking for, I was just trying to get out after work, you know, he's just getting out quick. And I mean, me and Keith were joking about it. It's just like, I mean, he's in a good spot there and there was, there was enough fresh stuff out in front of him that we hadn't touched it's like he's probably just gonna shoot a real big one right there I don't, <laughs> yeah i don't know if he yeah. did he left a note on the card and he said this uh it was just something friendly you know but mm. that was pretty funny it is pretty funny i mean sometimes too i think it's one of these deals where you know with all this being said too i feel like we can certainly overthink the conditions and i mean overthink that oh man we're we're blowing too much or too much is happening and you know, we got to give this spot a break. And I think that's a good topic too in itself is like, do you give a spot a break or do you not? You know, I feel like recently we've been getting a lot of questions about, you know, I saw this buck, you know, when should I, I, I saw him and, you know, whether or not he knew I was there or not, or maybe I spooked other deer, you know, is he going to come back there? And I would say, you know, f- for me, I feel when I find a buck that I want to hunt, I'm going to keep hunting there until like very consistently. Like if I've got the time, you know, day in and day out, really, even if the conditions aren't ideal, if I feel like I really got something locked in, I'm just going to hit it hard because so much can change in the month of October, even September or October. You know, if, if you know one's right in an area, I feel like, you know, waiting for a week, I mean, there's a whole lot of factors that can change. So yeah. I just like, I like making a plan once I've found one to just continue to hunt it for like three or four hunts, you know, morning, evening, morning, evening, you know, and then anywhere from three to four. And then it's like, if I'm not seeing him or I feel like I'm not right on the sign, I'll keep moving. Like yeah. the, the Pennsylvania one is a good example. Yeah. Like I never saw a buck in there. Ted and I hunted, uh, Man, probably four. I think Greg and I hunted in there the first day. We saw, like, no doubt, you know, big buck sign consistently throughout this ridge that we were hunting. And then Ted and I hunted back there day in and day out for, like, at least three days, I think. And then somewhere along the lines of, like, day four or five, uh, Warb and I did end up seeing what I believe is the buck that... um, Ted and I got in or the next day, but it was the same deal there where it's just like, we just kept hitting that hard. And I think that, you know, that is kind of backwards to the majority of like, you know, hunting media, especially this time of the year. It's like, you know, you want to be cautious. You don't want to blow them out of the area. But I guess in my opinion, it's like, if you've got one kind of locked down, you know, he's using a specific ridge or you know, feeding on a specific stand of oaks or, you know, river bottom habitat, whatever it may be, if you know he's there right now. And this is also without the use of trail cameras. We were just reading the sign. Like the sign every day was refreshed. You know, there was a new rub. There was a scrape that, you know, maybe had been hit two or three days prior, but, you know, we'd go in that next day and it'd be opened up again. It's like, man, they're in here right now. We're not affecting anything. Yeah, and they're still in there, like you're saying, like you're check, checking those scrapes, and they're still getting hit. 
It's the mm-hmm. same thing with that road I'm talking about where exactly. I put the trail camera. It's like every day that me and Keith have drove in there, that scrape has been worked last night. Even with the people camping there, you know, there's there's still yep. deer hitting that scrape, right? Like so, they're still in there. We haven't pushed them all out. You know, it's just like keeping. Yeah. I guess you just gotta either. If you got cameras, I, I I wouldn't even really put it on the camera. You got to read the sign and see. I mean, see right. if you're pushing all the deer out or not. Mm-hmm. I mean, then the scrapes for sure will tell you that. Or just paying attention if you're accessing the same trail and all of a sudden there's a new rub. You know, when you're walking in, you know they're still in there. What do you think? What yeah, what I do you think? Like if going, you're going back to Missouri this week, what like what's your what's your strategy? I yeah, guess? so I guess take a taking a step back to like what I'm trying to learn in September is I think those deer, late September into the first week of October, those deer seem to be grouped up pretty heavily. So those first like early parts of the season, covering a lot of ground, trying to find those high concentrations of deer on more traditional egg food sources. Um, and then finding buck sign in conjunction with that, obviously, just to make sure there are bucks in there. And then once we hit that second week of October, it seems like they start to disperse out a little bit more from there. So like that early part, just focusing on the outskirts of the bedding area where I'm finding all those deer, all that concentration of deer sign. And when they start to break up, I don't think they're going to move too far. But one of the things we've encountered this year, at least in Iowa, specifically Missouri, it seems like it's been a pretty rough acorn year. But here in Iowa, it's been a pretty um, fruitful acorn year, it seems like, especially with the white oaks. So I think especially those mature bucks. Once they start to break up and move deeper into those bedding areas, they're not going to move far once it hits daylight. Mm-hmm. So, like finding those pockets of deer early, and then trying to trying to determine where they're going to bed once they start breaking up, and then really get aggressive and go in there when the wind sets up well for them to be bedded in there, mm-hmm. and then for you to hunt it. So, I think yeah. that's kind of the thing I'm focusing on. Like early back to Missouri, for example, like I found an area that seemed to have the highest concentration of deer. There's buck sign. And I was just initially just sitting on the outskirts of those bedding areas. And I have a couple areas around there that I think are their core bedding areas, but I was just focusing on the outskirts at that time of year. But once we get into this later, later part of October, middle of October, I'm going to start diving into those bedding areas a little bit closer and getting aggressive. Yeah. Um, when it sets up well for them to be there and areas for me to access it and hunt it. I think that's really important too. Like you said, it's like, especially unless, Unless it's a cold front day, especially if it's just like stagnant weather, which we're going to have here for another week to 10 days, it seems like. It's like it seems like you got to be close within, I mean, ideally within 200 yards and closer than that if, if you if feel like you can be and you know, like, if you're hunting specific beds. But, yeah, it just, it just seems like they're not going to get up and do very much. I mean, I'm thinking about hunts where, you know, you literally – you watch Buck stand up an hour before dark, but he doesn't move more than 80 yards, you know, mm-hmm. and that's pretty, I'd say that's pretty standard for this time of year. Like that, I would expect that more than him getting up and just going, you know. Especially when there are a lot of acorns, because he doesn't have a reason yeah. to cover ground to find acorns if they're in yeah. his bedding area. Like Ted and I were, early in the season, Ted and Aaron found a bunch of deer and some big bucks feeding in an alfalfa field, pretty close to, um, there's a, a, a good cut down in this deep ravine. And that's kind of where we suspected they would be going to bed. And once they started switching off from going to that alfalfa field early, and there's a, just plentiful acorns around there, we kind of figured we needed to dive into that cut a little deeper because they're just going to stand up and feed right in their bedding area when they have all that food available. And we ended up getting a little pretty aggressive, um, and, and the wind wasn't great, but we saw a, a mature buck down in that bedding area, 
and he was on his feet two hours before dark. And that's the thing, like when they're when they have that food and that cover, they're gonna feel comfortable getting up and browsing around right there, even well before dark, but they're not gonna move very far. Mm -hmm. So you really gotta like get in there close when the wind is right. Unfortunately, that situation, the wind was swirling because we were down in this bottom and, and the wind wasn't perfect for it. And he ended up softly bumping, caught our wind a little bit, but he didn't spook hard. So like to your question or your comment before Zach, as far as like how, how often you hunt a specific area, as long as you're not, it's a lot easier when you're bump, if you bump them or you're putting pressure on the outside of the bedding area. But if you get in that bedding area and you spook them a little bit, if they don't spook really hard, they're likely still going to be back in there. So it kind of depends yeah. on that, those situations you run into and how that deer's behaving. If you get eyes on them, if he's not really spooked, there's a good chance he's going to be back in there. So there's something that I was going to say about that in general. There's, I guess, a couple different ideas that I've been thinking about just to throw some different situations into the mix. I'm thinking about like if I were going to go hunt some areas with tons of public land, like you could use like, you know, lots of areas in Missouri, um, Indiana, Illinois, whatever, like you can see these huge public areas. And if you lived close by and those were kind of your stomping grounds, I mean, the list goes on and on, too, of states that, that this exists. If you've got all kinds of options, that's going to, for me, mean I'm going to probably be aggressive all the time. Because, like, what we're talking about, we keep talking about these situations where, like, you know, you go into an area and the scrape's open and you walk all around and you scout and whatever, and then you go back the next day and it's open again. It's like sometimes I really do believe especially listening to other, you know, strategies as well and other individuals, like how aggressive they can be. Like I think of, um, like the hunting beast guys or like, um, Cody DeQuisto and Andre, his dad, you know, those guys strategy of just like the bump and dump thing where to me, sometimes I feel like we, we have this tendency to not only overthink it, but just like tiptoe, right. Where, we're so worried about like bumping a deer that we don't even know exists yet. Like, at least for me, again, not using a trail camera, like I don't even know he's there. So how am I gonna like, I'm just gonna, you know, tiptoe around and sometimes I feel like I have a bad habit of in October tiptoeing too much where I should just go in there, look aggressively for that sign, get in tight to these bedding areas. And I mean, you're not going to want to do that if you're only hunting one piece of private land, for example, or maybe two pieces of private land. You know, that, that, that strategy is going, to, is going to change a little bit. But when you've got, you know, kind of endless um, options, like a, like a lot of states have, really, you know, there's nothing, in my opinion, wrong with just being super aggressive. Like move, moving around until you find exactly what you're looking for. And maybe maybe that means an accidental bump. I mean... I'm, you know, some people don't like to hear like bumping deer at ever, you know, but if you bump one and he doesn't really know what's going on, you bump him at three o'clock in the afternoon and you know, the wind's blowing and it's in your favor. Like he may just not have a clue what's going on and he might be in there for the next seven days. Yeah. And I think that or, he might, or he, just... he might not come back the whole year, but at least you got that information <laughs> for next year. I mean, during right. that time frame, there's a mature buck using that area and just take note of that like that's super valuable to know mm -hmm. i mean we're mm -hmm. kind of just waiting for the right wind to go into a spot that warm spooked one out of last year this time of year that's like i mean i know that there's bucks using it again because me and 
Keith went in there the other day and it looks like hogs, like it looks like there's wild ho- hogs on the loose back in there, but there's a bunch of fresh rubs leading right back into this, you know, bed that Warb spooked a buck out of last year. So mm-hmm. just, we're just waiting for any, any north wind really to go back in there. Yep. But yep. And I, you know, you think too, like, like whitetail hunters sometimes adopt the same mentality, right? So what we're seeing, you know, in a totally different situation than ours, you know, we kind of get in our head is like maybe the rule of thumb. Like, you know, I don't want to bump these, bump these deer, you know, I don't want to pressure them or whatever, but it's like, if you're dealing with a big timber situation, that's so much different than like bumping a deer off of like a small food plot on an 80 acre parcel of private land. Right. So like, you know, don't get me wrong, like bumping a deer in the moment feels bad, but there's just so much information that can be learned there. And as far as getting aggressive the next time, I think it just gives you confidence that there is one there. It's just that confirmation that there is a buck in that area. And like, it doesn't always mean that you're spooking one either. Sometimes it just may be like, you're going around, you're moving pretty quick through the timber, and all of a sudden you come a, stumble across that spot where you're like, whoa, like bunch of acorns dropping right in here. There's a bunch of buck sign, there's rubs, there's scrapes. You know, there's just, like you said, Jake, hogs rooting around on the ground. If that's the case, then that aggressive style can really pay off. Now, on the other hand, I think of like if I was hunting private parcels where I grew up, in western ohio so you know i have my list of you know a handful of spots let's say and i'm just just trying to think of it from a different perspective than than what i have even currently or a different hunting situation like let's say um, monday through friday i was working with like a little bit of flexibility so you know the ability to maybe dip out um, early in an afternoon or you know come in a couple hours late of a morning or something. So if that's the case, what I'm talking about when Western Ohio is, you know, another similar situation to, I would say a lot of hunters in the Midwest, you're dealing with super small parcels of land, tons of ag. Somewhere really you flat. can observe a lot though. It's like, I think that that's, would be the strategy that you're probably about to go with. Just like yep. being able to see, use that to your advantage. And I'm not necessarily saying like I'm going to see a big buck but you probably wouldn't expect to would you i mean really you just probably would expect to see some deer and then just learn you know that they're they're really hitting the beans hard or they're really hitting the hay hard and then just kind of follow your way back from there yeah so like with that monday through friday time that i'm at work you know let's say monday through thursday is pretty average weather but then thursday or uh, friday you know I know I'm going to be able to dip out a little bit early and then it's going to be getting colder, whatever. So Monday through Thursday, I'm going to spend my time after work driving around to each of those areas. You know, maybe not all of them at once, but, you know, throughout the week, go observe, check out the outskirts of them from a distance. Because again, with a smaller property and smaller acreage, you know, what I'm thinking of, I'm talking really small parcels of timber. So the bedding habitat is relatively small. So I'm observing that from a distance, looking for any sign that deer are using an area. So if you're just seeing does even, you know, that might be a good sign to say, okay, I know that particular bedding area that I scouted in the off season may be holding deer right now. So just kind of getting an inventory that way. But then once it's time to hunt, 
you know, let's say you've got Friday afternoon till Sunday night to, to hunt, you know, five hunts, you know, morning or evening, morning, evening, morning, evening. If that's the case, then what I would do is just kind of scout those transition lines that are close to where I'm seeing, observing these deer come from. And if I'm seeing the buck sign coming in and out of an area, boom, that's my setup. You know, it's, it's, that's so much less intrusive, but, you know, in a small timbered area that's super open, a lot of agriculture, you're dealing with, um, you're dealing with limited options for bedding in comparison to like, I'm just thinking of areas that I've hunted in a different part of Ohio where you're dealing with solid timber. It's like, there's so many more options for these deer to bed. And like, really, it may not matter. You know, there's, there's, there's sometimes where conditions may not mean anything. They're just in there for whatever reason. So the nice thing about those small, like the type of habitat you're kind of talking about too, like small wood lots and stuff like that. It seems like if the bucks are in there, like they're usually in a really specific spot. Like that's where you can actually nail it down to like, you know, three or four beds that they're using within a 20 yard circle. It seems like, whereas like, you know, in big timber in Ohio or just, I mean, even around here, it just seems like, I mean, there's bedding areas, but I don't know that there's always necessarily a specific bed. Like you'll find like in cattail country or even small woodlot country. It's just like when I walk around, like behind my parents there, it's pretty similar to what you're talking about, you know, just like Mm -hmm. Creek bottom that's got trees along it. And then pretty much everything else is farmed. There's a five acre woodlot and another five acre woodlot. But like if the bucks are in or back there, they're in one of like three spots and like, I guess you've walked back there with me. Mm-hmm. There's there's one specific spot where it's just like, I mean, he's probably going to be in that bed or one of the other three beds that are ten yards away from there if he's there, you right. know. Mm-hmm. Which is yep. it, which is, it's an it's an advantage for sure. I'd say it's just like you can go in there with the confidence that, you know, if he's in there, he's going to be right there. Yeah, yeah. I think that the the you know when I, when I think about breaking this all down, you know, as far as when to be aggressive, it's like. The check the, the boxes you want to check are you want to know one's there based off of an observation, a trail camera picture, or a good sign. You know, spotlighting too you, if it's legal in your state. That's yeah. really valuable this time of year, I'd say. Definitely. So you know that based off of some sort of observation that there is one there. So that's that's check, you know, that's box check one. The other thing is, is like, as far as conditions go, I would say in general, it's helpful to have a condition that is just something off from the norm or off from your average day. When I think of your average October day, I'm thinking, you know, low to mid 70s, 72 to 77 degrees. It's probably sunny. It's probably like pretty calm, you know, maybe a five to nine mile an hour breeze and pretty dry right so for the most part that's in your midwestern setting that's kind of the condition that you're dealt with on average i think that's the average condition that you know most of us are like eh, whatever <laughs> but, but if you got little condition changes like maybe you have a breeze that's blowing a little bit harder or maybe it rained and now the next day it's kind of that post rain day where you got the wind and you got a little bit of wet condition you know that's going to allow you to get a little bit more aggressive on these specific bedding area spots um 
And just, you know, we talk about cold fronts so much, but I don't always think that it's necessarily a cold front that has to be the condition change. I mean, obviously that's helpful, and a lot of times that's where you're going to get um, your best movement across the board um, in the region. But, like, just whatever little condition change could help you get tighter, I think, is important too. Even do in the morning sometimes. You know, if you look at how much moisture is on the ground, sometimes that gives you a window of a few hours to walk quietly on leaves that otherwise are going to be super crunchy. And Yeah, that's a great time to scout. I'd say and cover a bunch of ground where it's just like you can Mm -hmm. be walking within 100 yards of deer and as long as they're not smelling you and can't see you, like they're not going to know you're there just because you're not making any noise. But if you go in there at noon when the leaves are all dried out you're going to sound like a freight train going through there yeah yeah and not only can you be quiet but a lot of that sign you find you'll be able to tell if it's fresh or not so you're going to be able to know like are they in there right now Mm -hmm. yep and I, i mean we talk about that fresh sign all the time and you know it's something that i think there's no real great answer as to like how to like nail that obviously we're always experimenting we're creating these theories that we talk about to make the move, but, you know, just trying to think of like, what is the absolute freshest sign that's telling you, like, I mean, I feel like we're beating a dead horse, but what is it that's telling you he's here right now? Like I think of, um, one thing that I've been using that I actually used really recently elk hunting that I kind of heard from Joe Rentmeester originally, as we were talking, him and I were talking about on a podcast. Um, I don't know the number episode, but we were talking about reading fresh sign and cattail marshes. And he was talking about how when you're looking down the trails of, um, the cattail edge where you can see there's a difference in a muddy track in the water versus the, you know, the trail that just has like clear stagnant water in it, where that muddy tracks telling you, Hey, a deer went back there today. And I know Aaron and I have had conversations too about, their experiences in Arkansas being similar. It wasn't cattails, but it was like marshy wetland habitat. And they were cutting these trails looking for the fresh sign. And where in, you know, a timbered ridge country, you might find um, that fresh stamp in the ground where there's, you know, in the mud where it's a, a true track. You're not even actually seeing the track in these wetland situations. You're just seeing the mud stirred. And it was the same thing. The reason I brought up the elk thing is, is I was looking at wallows for the same, the same exact reason. If you got wet, uh, you got mud stirred up in that water, you know that it, that's fresh, like that just happened versus, you know, just stagnant, clear water. So looking at that fresh sign in high detail, it may be pee in the scrape, you know, uh, it may be like acorns that have just been broken and you know they're getting the caps are just popped off or whatever you know all those little details that that's just going to help you get better at that and then you create that theory of what he's doing then you set up on it and move forward acorn caps that still got a bunch of saliva on them where they've been sucking on the tops of them (laughs) i mean (laughs) yeah i mean seriously it could be it could be something that you observe i mean I've certainly found stuff sometimes where you're like, man, like that, like well, that's kind of freaky. Mouth. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it definitely could happen. And I, I think it's the same thing with the rubs. You know, if you're finding rubs that have the shavings that are like right on top. And, you know, 
there's different levels of it too, right? Where you could talk about, you know, the wa- that water situation in a cattail marsh that I just talked about. You know, that might be telling you what happened today, but there's going to be other situations and habitat types and conditions in general that are, aren't allowing you to see what happened today, but might be able to tell you what happened in the last, you know, three to five days. And that still can be yeah. super important, you know. I'd so, think as a general rule, if you're seeing any sign that it's still wet, it's still, I'd say it's from the last 24 hours, probably the last 12 hours. It's like those tracks that we saw, the, me and Keith saw the other day, this is like, that you could see, you know, most of it had dried out at that point, but there's still a little bit that was darker than the rest. And those rubs, like they're green shavings and they, like you could, when you touched them, they were still wet. It's just like, I mean, we gotta, we gotta back out of here and get our stuff. Cause like he's, he's in here today. And like, <laughs> yeah. you definitely can tell that I think, you know, within the last, within for sure within the last, within the last 24 hours. And like, it's a pretty damn good feeling going in. And it's like really exciting to be sitting there knowing that something you know, is probably pretty close to you. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think that, you know, also for me, when you're looking at like uh, a, maybe more of a main destination food source, if you're seeing big, like this time of the year, if you're seeing big, like community scrapes, that's telling me there is a buck, a big buck around here somewhere. Like that alone can be confirmation for me to just like hang out in an area for, you know, a handful of days until I get further confirmation because that that's just something that I really like any time of the season, really, if you're finding, in my opinion, a big, just big, like multiple deer hitting it, it seems like there's just some sort of it's, it's, it's almost like a telltale sign. If there's a yeah. big old car hood scrape, you, we've all heard that term before, but when you find that dude, like it's good stuff. And I think of the one that we hunted, um, Logan and I ended up killing the buck there in 2018, but Jake, you and I hunted there in 2017. And it was the day that we had the orange hats with the decoy on the bow. And we saw the buck that, um, came up that edge, like, that spot which was the one that you eventually killed the next year we're pretty mm-hmm. sure yep it was it was funny because we had been in there i think sean and i had hunted there in 2016 season and i remember just seeing like this line and this is in december this line of just hammered scrapes these huge huge scrapes that i remember thinking to myself like they've been hitting these for months like this this is probably a good spot to be in october because a scrape doesn't get this big without being hit you know all the year so that was our strategy going in was we were going to work that line and look for sign and we ended up just you know head-on collision with a big buck but i do remember walking down that edge and there being big fresh rubs and every time that I've been in that area since when that edge has those big rubs and those big scrapes on it like probably just hang out in there you know like they're gonna be there and I think that uh you know it it looks it's it's tough because it looks so many different ways right like there's been times where there's not a lick of sign in a spot and there's a big buck in there but you know it's just kind of getting that experience chipping away. And I think that I do think too, that's why I talk so much about moving so much because the more you see, the more experience you get to relate that to other 
spots, right? Okay. Like you just keep getting uh, like a resume of what it looks like and you can compare spots and say, okay, this is a lot of sign for this region. This isn't, you know, this is, this isn't, you know, and you might hit five in a row where there's nothing, but then all of a sudden you hit that spot and it's just, it clicks. It's like, yeah, we need to hold up here. And I, you know, that's what happened in that example of Pennsylvania for me was like, you just don't see this much buck sign and this much big buck sign that often anywhere, let alone Pennsylvania, <laughs> you know? So it was like that, that's what held me up in that particular spot. But when I look back on those, you know, very best spots that I've been in in October, they all have that yeah. sign. And I think that's pretty important. Yeah, I think going back to like the primary question of when to get aggressive in October, I think especially in the early to mid part of October, I'm extremely picky with where I decide to actually spend a lot of time. It's when I'm the most picky. I, I won't focus on an area unless I'm seeing a bunch of scrapes and, and big sign. And if I don't have that yet, I'm going to wait till I get a rainy day if I have limited time to continue to try to find that sign. And if I did find that sign previously, the day I'm looking for is one that works well with the wind and the weather for a buck to be bedded in that area where I found that sign that I can make a move on. Mm -hmm. And one thing, one thing to play off of that though, too, because I think something that could be a hang up for, for some people, and, and maybe you guys view it differently. I think this is, this is kind of a fun little side topic here. I like to... Think of the condition that is is best for him to be like um, closest to that sign. But then I also like to think like, let's just say, for example, I know of a buck using an area with a northwest wind. Like, let's just say, let's just use a trail camera example, because I feel like that's something that we can exactly uh, tell the details of that day, right? So put a camera on a scrape on a timbered ridge where there's acorns dropping. I go back and I check that trail camera and two days prior, there was a buck on there on October 9th and there was a Northwest wind that day. So I know he's there right now. Like, you know, two days ago he was there. He's totally comfortable in the picture. Like I feel confident that that buck's coming back. So we were talking a little bit ago about, being aggressive on that spot until you think that, you know, you've kind of exhausted your resources. It's like, if I know there's one there, like that's a target buck, like that's definitely one I want to put my tag on. Then I also want to look at other conditions and where he might be with those other conditions. So like I said, if there's a Northwest wind that particular day, what if it's not for another five days or six days or nine that there is even a northwest wind. What if it's just south? South, baby. Nothing but south winds. Well, I still want to go in there because I know he's there right now. And I know that in nine days or whatever, in the foreseeable 10-day forecast, if there's not that wind or that perfect cold front condition, I don't want to wait around. Personally, I don't. I want to get right back in there because I know he's there now. So a lot of times what I'll do is start looking at other options too for different conditions. That way, if I don't have that condition, I don't wait too long for him to change his pattern because, and that's, that's something that I think is, is 
something that can get away from us real quick is he may just start shifting. You know, he might start making a big circuit and, you know, depending on where you're at, he may be like a long way away in a week, you know, and if you wait too long, I think, you know, you can, you can mess that up as well. But that's just the way I like to do it. I like to kind of pound a spot. (laughs) I really do. Like I want to get in there and if I know he's there, just keep hunting it because chances are, you know, once he starts moving again in November, he's going to be back there at some point. And if he's there right now in October, there's probably a damn good reason he is like a food source or some really secure bedding cover. And, and, you know, that's, that's kind of like, I just like to be aggressive when I know he's there. And that's, yeah, that, that excites me too. Just in general, like thinking of different options and strategy for different conditions. I think I like to have both options or try, try to have both options, like picking areas to get super aggressive in and not really care. You know, if you spook, you know, just every time you go in there, you're being as aggressive as possible. And then I got other spots I can think of, like that buck I killed on the 14th or whatever of October, where we got permission to go in from the privates. Like that was a spot that just kind of monitoring from a distance with a camera and the night before I, shot the buck we drove past there and just saw like two or three bucks out there but with that having that private permission to go through there is just kind of hoping you know it's a deep corner of the public nobody's going to go in there just wait till you know they're getting real comfortable moving a long distance wait for the right conditions and wait till you know it seems like they're they're making it right up to where i think we can kill them you know that that that's i guess the opposite you know side of the strategy and I'm, i think like uh like Joe Rentmeester and a lot of these guys, like he's he's picking a specific deer or a, you know specific bucks, and he's he knows that areas he knows of areas that they're going to go to when the pressure gets on. You know he's basically got these areas. He's waiting for the deer to kind of get pushed into, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yeah. So it's like he's waiting for that time to strike until he's got the in, whatever intel he needs that he knows the bucks in there now, and then that's when he's going to strike. It's just like there's there's a million different ways to skin the cat you know yeah and i think i think that's the fun part about it yeah you like, gotta pick what what either you enjoy the most or whatever works best for you it's just like yeah and there might not that those might honestly not be the same thing it's just like there's certain things that i feel like might be more effective sometimes but i i also really enjoy just kind of running around and you know trying to make a setup work and not really knowing which deer's around sometimes so it's like if that's yeah. what you want to do that afternoon go do that mm-hmm. yeah and i i mean it's just when I started hearing more about like the idea of bump and dump, you know, throughout the early season, that to me just kind of hits home for a strategy of being super aggressive. And I feel like, you know, when I look back on the most successful years that I had whitetail hunting in the past six, it's always been the most aggressive. Like when, when I personally have success, it's like the most rammy, ultra aggressive hunting style that you like. And when I don't have success, I look back on it and I'm like, man, I was tiptoeing. Like I, I really, really regret certain, you know, time frames of my bow hunting career where I was like, man, I was just playing it so safe. I mean, even in even in the past couple years, especially like 2020 and 2021, I felt like I was 
you know, just a little bit uh, on my heels, not, you know, just kind of being passive and being like, ooh, I think I found a good spot. I should probably play this safe. And to be honest, it never really paid. You know, it just ended up feeling like I was hunting the outskirts again. You know, uh-huh. I felt like I was playing the game of, you know, ooh, don't spook one. You know, that's going to be bad for us. And on the other hand, in the times that I have been super aggressive and things almost feel like they're not going to go right, they have gone right, if that if that really makes sense. So I'm, I have a tendency to want to push for more aggressive. The next guy might not, and that's totally cool. I, I would never, ever say that there is a, a right way to do it. Like you uh-huh. said, Jake, there's a lot of ways to skin the cat, and I think that you find what you feel the most confident in and your style. And, I mean, another thing that plays into it, too, is like, man, like I personally don't want to deal with trail cameras for whatever reason i just they're not my thing i like the surprise i like reading the sign and i feel like ultimately that's what i want to get out of it and because of that sure there's going to be some uh things that i miss but like you know it's just that's my style that's what i like to do where i know like jake you like using trail cameras like way more than i do so it's just to each their own right so Uh I'm just watching trees fall out like crazy keeps out there at the chainsaw. <laughs> Those deer out here, they hear that, I'd be like, wow, there's actually trees at our level. You're <laughs> running up here. So what's uh, what's the game plan in the next couple of days moving forward then for, for both of y'all? I think I'm going to just work on the computer here for the bulk of the day, and then I got some spots Well, it's, where you and I hunted a couple years ago now, I think it was, just going to get to a high, it's going to be pretty warm, stagnant weather, going to get to a high point above the bottom where we can observe, and we know we can make a move if we see something, and I know that there's there's a bunch of bucks lying around there, me and Keith walked in there the other day, there's big tracks, and we've kind of been walking the ridges around there, seeing big rubs and scrapes and stuff like that, so just, I guess that's, it's a good it's a spot that we've had luck during similar conditions so I'm, and it's like a spot that i can easily sneak into the even the last hour you know and then mm-hmm. just go running after one so hayden yeah pretty similar a lot of it's warming up here the next three or four days so a lot of computer work during the middle of the day and then a lot of scouting in the in the mornings and evenings whether that's driving around or actually diving into new areas just trying to find more pockets of deer um to have those options for different conditions and different wind directions um, and just being able to move on it when, when the time's right. And also something Keith and I did yesterday is just like, it's not even really for right now. It's like, I'm kind of, yeah. I was kind of hoping to go to North Dakota here within the next couple of days. And it sounds like that's what we're going to do. But me and Keith just made a couple ground blinds down these bottoms, which will be pretty sick. I think, you know, yeah. whenever we come back later in the year, just got to kind of got a couple spots prepped. I think that's sweet. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I think about how different, you know, differently I would treat things if my situation was different. Like, obviously, I don't really live in like the places that I deer hunt or like even close. And I think about all the, (laughs) I think about all the time, man. Like, if I was close to home, like if I was, (laughs) I'll throw him completely under the bus. If I was Ben, 
I would have so much like stupid fine detail stuff planned. Like I would have every access route planned perfectly. I'd have like little blinds set up like, but I don't, I don't live close enough to be able to do that stuff. You know, the only time I really get out there is either in season and like literally three days in the off season a year is about all I make it out there. But if I was, man, if I was close to home, no matter where that was too, if I was able to just get out and do stuff like that a lot more, I probably would. It's just, it's definitely makes for a unique situation. And <laughs> I guess something that I was going to say too, that's funny, you know, like going from listen or like listening to what you guys just said about, yeah, it's going to warm up here in middle of the day. It's like it's hilarious to go from like smack in the middle of the peak of the elk rut to like going backwards and being like far away from the rut again. Middle of you October know. deer hunting. Oh the my God. It's, like, oh. <laughs> it's like, dude, we like, we just killed that bull at like two, you know, in like uh, the middle of the heat of the day. And it's like, you know, when you go from that to. Probably getting to, down in the thirties at night. Oh yeah. Like cold, cold stuff. Like some of the coldest elk hunting that, you know, elk nights that we've had in the last couple of years. And it was, it's just funny to go from that back to pre-rut, but also it's sweet because you get another, you know, you're going to get another rut here in two a couple ruts. of months. Yeah. Or in a month. Yeah. The two rut season, when you get to, when you hunt multiple species, you get the two rut season. So then you go to South, you might get a third. That's true. They're saying, and they're saying in South Florida, you can hunt them and rutting in July. So who knows? We're going for five rut fall. all right guys well we'll wrap this one up um i'm gonna go make sure he's gonna leave a couple trees standing out there it looked pretty bad (laughs) (laughs) oh cool all right guys well thanks for listening and thanks hayden and jake for taking the time to record yeah thank you guys thanks